0: Namaste. My name is Deepali Kulkarni. I am HAF's Director of Human Rights, and I'm here today with Tashi Dondup, the Secretary of the Office of Tibet in Washington, D.C. Tashi is a secretary, which means that he's a senior staff member of the Tibetan government in exile, now called the CTA, Central Tibetan Administration. He was born and brought up in an exile community in India, and he's here to talk to us about Um, his experiences in India, as well as the approach of the Office of Tibet and Central Tibetan Administration. So uh, welcome, Tashi. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Diwali and the Hindu American Foundation for this wonderful opportunity.
0: Great to have you. So first and foremost, can you talk a little bit more about what is the Office of Tibet?
1: The Office of Tibet is the de facto embassy of Tibet. It is one of the 13 offices of Tibet of Central Tibetan Administration. It uh, represents His Holiness the Dalai Lama and the Central Tibetan Administration in North America. The Office of Tibet is uh, headed by a representative and uh, representatives assisted by a secretary and Tibetan community liaison officer, a Chinese outreach officers, and other administrative staffer. Yeah, the, and the main uh, uh, responsibility of the Office of Tibet is to work for the promotion of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, three principal commitments, uh, promotion of human values, uh, religious harmony, and the preservation of Tibetan culture and religions. Uh, uh, Other activities include uh, the coordinate and preparing the visit of his sonanist the Dalai Lama in North America, uh, mobilizing support from executive and legislative uh, branches of the US and Canadian government for the resolution of Tibet issue, strengthening and enhancing relationship with Tibetan Buddhist Dharma centers in North America. Uh, maintaining uh, a relations with and providing services to the North American Tibetan diaspora to Tibetan associations. We have around uh, 35 Tibetan associations in North America, around 31,000 uh, 31, Tibetans. And also one of the tasks of the Office of Tibet is to reach out to the Chinese people to create awareness about Tibet
0: huge responsibility um, that the office of tibet is taking on in its offices around Mm. the world doing the work of the central tibetan administration so let's just get down to it what is the current situation of the tibetan people in tibet and around the world
1: uh, well, uh, for the uh, last 70 years of uh, China's illegal occupation of Tibet, uh, Tibetan people have been enduring unspeakable sufferings and injustices, including inhuman treatments, uh, lengthy prison sentences, death sentences, uh, lack of fair trial, arbitrary arrests, disappearance, irrational discriminations. Uh, denial of freedom of religion, expressions, movement, and assembly, the current situation in Tibet is grim with pervasive uh, atmosphere of undeclared uh, martial law. As we always celebrate the uh, anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, every single right uh, enshrined in the declaration is being violated in Tibet by the China. Until date, there have been 154 uh, known acts of uh, self immolations by Tibetans inside Tibet since 2009 mm-hmm. as a mark of protest uh, against the repressive policies of China. Recently, uh, in uh, Zhaonpo township in Kam Karze, the Chinese officials have cracked down on the local people, on churches of keeping pictures of His Holiness the Dalai Lama or contacting the Tibetan government in exile. They have arrested, detained around 113 people, uh, village people. The monitoring and surveillance of the residents remains high in Zaombo, where police are conducting house-to-house inspections regularly. As you know, the Tibet is uh, ranked the number one least free country in the world in 2021, uh, tying, with the, tying the spot with Syria, according to the Freedom of the World report by Freedom House. So the current situation in Tibet under Xi Jinping is uh awesome day by day, and make very difficult for Tibetan people to live life uh, all out there.
0: Wow, it's really horrible hearing all of the different types of violence that the Tibetan people are enduring right now. Yes. One of the things that comes to mind for me is this isn't really something that's present in international discourse right now. Um, there was a certain time where you know in American public discourse at least, it was commonly discussed, the plight of the Tibetan people, but it's not something that you see in the news or that you see a lot of, you know, activism around these days. So why do you think there's this has kind of fallen off people's radar? And, you know, how has the situation changed from the beginning um, until now? Can you give us a little bit of the history? Because um, it seems like the situation has gotten worse, but the international community's attention has reduced significantly at the same time.
1: Yeah, but uh, very unfortunately, the, uh, the situations of uh, the human rights condition uh, in Tibet is not uh, improved at all. So every year, the Chinese, the communist regimes have uh, carried out the policies, you know, uh, their main policy is to become Tibet into the China, the Sinicizations of, you know. So they have carried a lot of uh, the uh, policies which uh, aims to eradicate the Tibetan language, cultures, and the way of living.
0: So when did this all start, like paint us a picture, from the beginning? Yeah,
1: from the beginning, since uh, since China's uh, illegal occupied of Tibet in 1959s.
0: And so since that occupation, this same level of uh, systematic yes, violence yes. against the, the Tibetan violence. people has continued yeah, unabated. Continue.
1: Yes, yes, correct. Yes.
0: Well, there's a lot to unpack here, and I will definitely get into some of the specifics of the violence, how the Tibetan uh, people have found resilience despite the incredible odds that they're facing. Um, But I think the first thing that I'd like to um, explore a little further is the middle way approach, which is the policy of the Central Tibetan Administration to resolve the issue of Tibet. Can you please tell me a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, uh, of course, uh, the middle way approach is, uh, was proposed by His Holiness the Dalai Lama and it uh, was uh, unanimously and uh, democratically adopted by the Tibetan parliament in exile. So the the main uh, features of middle way approach is a win-win prepositions and pragmatic uh, position. It does not seek uh, separation of Tibet from People Republic of China. But at the same time, does not accept the present repressive and colonial policy of the Chinese government towards Tibetan people. It proposes a middle ground for peaceful coexistence. Uh, it also seeks a form of self-governance uh, with genuine autonomy for the Tibetan peoples under a single autonomous administration, provided for within the constitutions of the People's Republic of China. It's a law of the national regional autonomy. As of now, the Tibet uh, is divided into several uh, prefectures, counties, so it uh, the Middle East also envisaged for the preservation of unique uh, Tibetan cultures, heritage, language, and the environment through co- co- coexistence of Tibetan and Chinese people.
0: So uh, we talked a little bit about the Tibetan people, um, in, uh, Tibet that's currently occupied by China. What's the situation of the people of, um, the Tibetan diaspora, uh, where are they, um, you know, how have they been able to keep that cultural continuity and, and what are some of the, um, you know, some of the ways that the international community can support them?
1: Oh, well, uh, uh, the current situations of the Tibetan people, or the Tibetan diaspora, uh, with the bless of uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama and the government of India's support, uh, the Tibetan diasporas enjoy maximum number of freedom. Uh, when His Holiness the Dalai Lama with 100,000 Tibetans fled Tibet and took uh, refugee in India in 1959, only the government of India came forward and received His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Uh, With the 100,000 Tibetan, His Holiness always say he's the longest guest of the government of India since 1959. The government of India allows Tibetans to set up their own government in exile. Currently, we call it uh, Central Tibetan Administration, uh, which is uh, based in Makrut Ganj in Himachal Pradesh. His Holiness Dalai Lama also lives there. government of India helped us to set up separate schools for Tibetans to teach Tibetan youth their own language and culture. The school is also called. Uh, school is called as the Central Tibetan School, uh, directly funded by the central government of India. In India, there are thirty-four Tibetan settlement across uh, uh, India. The Tibetan people are doing uh, sweater business in almost every state of India. Uh, so, the sweater selling business is also a main source of income for the Tibetan living in India. Uh, most importantly, in India, we can able to preserve and promote our own language and culture, which is totally uh, destroyed by the Chinese communist regime in Tibet. In the 90s, Tibetans are start moving to different countries like the uh, United States, Europe, and Australia. Now, Tibetan diaspora are found in around 23 countries. Uh, those smalls are scattered in different parts of the world, but all are with the His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Central Tibetan uh, administrations in India.
0: Wow, uh, I didn't know about the incredible support the Indian government was providing for the Tibetan people to learn their own language, to support that to support schools, um, and and provide that those uh, opportunities for cultural continuity. So that's really heartening to hear. Let's move on to how did the Tibetan Buddhists. Uh, people come to live in India. Um, exactly what was the um, history, what exactly is the history there? Uh, because there's, you know, it's it's really great that the Indian government is providing that much needed support. Um, but how did that, you know, situation take place? Exactly what occurred that led, um, for those that are unaware, that led the Tibetan people to live in India?
1: Uh, like I mentioned before, when China occupied Tibet in 1959, his Holiness the Dalai Lama with 100,000 when he came to India and allowed I'm living till now. The government of India, the Tibetan government in exile, which is now called Central, Central Tibetan Administration in terms India. The Tibetan communities are living across different states in India. We can see the site of uh, Tibetan Buddhist monk uh, is family to people all over the world as are the bright the color strings of prayer flags commonly you know, seen in the Himalayas. Uh, overwhelming uh, majority of the Tibetan uh, uh, practices Tibetan Buddhism. Uh, Buddhism was uh, introduced into Tibet in the seventh century. And over time, uh, Tibetan adopted it and make it their own, uh, differentiating it from the other uh, schools of Buddhism uh, by incorporating some elements of the bone religions or common folk religions uh, in th- of Tibet. Uh, Dalai Lama is uh, believed to be the manifestation of Bodhisattva, or enlightened being, for several centuries successive Dalai Lama served as, the, as both the spiritual and political leaders of Tibetan people until 2011 when the 14th Dalai Lama initiated a process of transferring his politically political authority to the democratically elected Sikong, or Prime Minister of Central uh, uh, Tibetan government in exile. The government of India has allowed Tibetan refugees to uh, establish uh, Buddhist monasteries to educate monks about Buddhisms and Tibetan culture. As a result, the Tibetan Buddhism continues to thrive among uh, Tibetan uh, refugees. Uh, we have a department of uh, religion and culture. It is now one of the seven major uh, department of Central Tibetan Administrations. It has the responsibility of supervising uh, works aimed at uh, reviving uh, preserving, preserving, uh, preserving, and promotion of Tibetan religious and cultural heritage that is being uh, led to the verge of extinction. Extinction in Tibet. The department supports 281 monasteries and nunneries in India, Nepal, and Bhutan, and looks after the welfare of approximately. 50,000 monks nuns or clergies living in their institution.
0: Uh thanks for providing that uh context and I and I I know the history of China and Tibet is a very complex um history that dates back um you know it it really is uh such an important part of the history of the region but I think it's you know important to note that it's the Chinese occupation of Tibet that led to the tibetan people uh, having to come into exile and in particular the persecution of tibetan buddhists and their leadership that uh, led them to be in exile in india for their safety Um, and so india provided that refuge which is really great and the tibetan people have continued to find that resilience and strength and continue to advocate for their communities um, for their community in India, as well as uh, throughout the diaspora, so uh, that's just something important I wanted to note. It's for their safety that they left Tibet, and uh, something uh, that I want to ask. The next question um, that's really you know ties into what we're talking about with the plight of the Tibetan people in Tibet, as well as throughout uh, in India and throughout the diaspora. Um, is, do you feel that the plight of the Tibetan people has been ignored by the international community?
1: I don't think so, uh, uh, because of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama' popular popularity and his blazing, and we Tibetans are fighting our rise to ahimsa non-violence way. Till now, what we stand for all because of the international community's support, Uh, As I mentioned earlier, government and people of India and America, Europe, Canada, Australia, all are very supportive of uh, Just Cause of Tibet. Uh, We have uh, now 180 plus Tibet support group in the world. And also, uh, we have a world parliamentarian support groups. Uh, The student for Free Tibet organizers have large numbers of uh, international students or youth who support. Of course, by carrying out advocacys and campaign activities.
0: Well, that's very generous of you to <laughs> to say that the international community, you know, has not uh, been ignoring this issue. That's um, very generous and very much in the spirit of the Tibetan Buddhist people to um, you know recognize and be grateful for the support that they have received. Certainly, um, there's more that the international community could do um, to put pressure on China and to. Uh, at least from in my view, to put pressure on China and to support the Tibetan people. And I hope that, you know, we can really come together to find ways to do that, because this is a, really an ongoing issue. Um, there's major human rights violations taking place. And many times we see this in the case of Hinduism as well, Um, when there are human rights violations taking place against Individuals that are not from the Abrahamic traditions, it's often overlooked. So we really want to, you know, make sure that there is support for the Tibetan Buddhist people um, internationally. I, I hope that we can continue this conversation and explore some ways that we can do that. But definitely appreciate your um your answer and your the generosity and the uh gratitude that the Tibetan people are expressing here. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to explore with you was the Tibetan Buddhist experience in India. You mentioned the cultural continuity through the um, through education that the uh, children are able to learn Tibetan, that they're able to learn their own language and culture. That there's also monasteries um, where you know the religious traditions have been able to flourish. What can you tell me more about the overall Tibetan Buddhist experience in India?
1: Yes, definitely. Well, we uh, Tibetan always called India as our second homeland. Uh, the Tibetan way of living, language, culture, especially the Buddhism, came from India. Uh, we considered India as the land of Arya Bumi. Uh, so we Tibetan enjoys the Indian uh, democracy. We are very fortunate to be in India, where Lord Buddha original form. Uh, the relationship uh, the, between the Central Tibetan Administration and the government is also uh, uh, very good, excellent. Successive Indian government have permitted the Dalai Lama to live in India since 1959. And the government of India has allowed CTE to operate schools, health clinics, and other communities' amenities. And federal and state government of India have leased out thousands of acres of land for refugees to live in self-sufficient compact uh, communities, as well as for the establishment of monasteries to educate monks in Buddhism and Tibetan culture. In 2014, the government of India uh, granted Tibetan uh, refugees the right to vote in Indian elections and also approved the Tibetan Rehabilitation Policy, uh, which sets a uniform policy across all Indian states uh, regarding the rights of the Tibetan uh, refugees. This policy has clarified, uh, standardized, uh, and uh, extended uh, the rights and the benefits uh, available to the dependent refugee in India.
0: Wow. Uh, so it's good to see, you know, and, and I guess it speaks to your earlier point is that, you know, this hasn't been ignored by the international community. And certainly India is one of the countries that has been providing um, really crucial uh, support for the community to continue um, to exist for the um, Central Tibetan Administration to continue its important work in um, you know securing the human rights of the Tibetan people and, and securing the um, you know coexistence of the Chinese and Tibetan people. So uh, it's it's really great to hear that. And and now I'd like to turn to you know what are your hopes for the Tibetan people moving forward? What um, would you like to see happen? And, and what are some of the um, some of the um, goals that you have for you know your own family and for your own community?
1: Yeah, these days, uh, due to the COVID nineteen pandemic, uh, there's a lot of changes in the world at large, uh, and the perspective of the world uh, about China has changed. Uh, it is certain that change is happening. Uh, this change will uh, bring about uh, the resolutions of, of uh, uh, the on the Tibet cause. Until that happens, the most important thing is that uh, what I feel is uh, our Tibetan inside and outside must preserve our own language and culture. Uh, if we preserve our like, culture language, uh, it's a victory in itself. And we Tibetan always uh, hope and praise. Uh, uh, justice will prevail, and the freedom will be restored to Tibet uh, soon.
0: Saving that culture and language is its own victory. I really like that, and I think it's it's really, really, really important for you know all cultures around the world, especially you know considering that you know one of the types of persecution that t- Tibetan people are facing um, in occupied Tibet is the erasure of their culture and language, and this intentional erasure of culture and language. To erase the Tibetan people, and I think you know, retaining that culture and language is an important step in affirming that the Tibetan people have not been erased, cannot be erased, and that you know, uh, continuing with that resilience.
1: And in 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 Tibet uh, right now, the Chinese uh, governments uh, uh, are implementing the policy uh, to teach uh, Tibetan uh, students the the Mandarin as the main language. So they have, uh, you know, uh, implementing these policies in every schools, from the pre-k schools to the you know college levels, all are taught in the Mandarin language. So it's very difficult to uh, preserve our own language. So in Tibet, uh, many Tibetans are now speak Mandarin uh, they, um, rather than to speak in Tibetans, you know? So this is very concerning. And here in the North America also, uh, we, uh, one of the main tasks of the Office of Tibet is to, uh, to teach uh, Tibetans youth uh, Tibetan uh, language and cultures. And we have a separate uh, Tibetan language and culture schools in every uh, Tibetan associations. So the, all the teachers are you know, uh, doing voluntarily to teach uh, the Tibetan youths uh, the Tibetan language. And also the songs and dance,
0: all really, really important stuff to keep that cultural con- uh, continuity and the res- you know the vibrancy of life, which is you know in persecuting the Tibetan people, um, there's definitely an attempt to squelch out that vibrancy of life, squelch out that that the culture of the Tibetan people, and and so it's really really important to see that resistance, ahimsic uh, resistance yes. is very simple um, in trying to make sure that, you know, children can speak the language that they know about their culture. Um, these are very simple steps um, that are very nonviolent um, and, and very easy to understand. And so um, you know, I really hope uh, and pray for the continued success of all of these initiatives of the Central Tibetan Administration. And so, the last question I'd like to ask is: What can the international community do to help the Tibetan people? I mean, there's so many, so much that I want to you know make clear that the Tibetan people are doing so much to help themselves, despite incredible odds. They're uh, ensuring that their communities in Tibet, in India, and worldwide are able to thrive. Um, But we definitely need to come together as an international community to support all of these great efforts that the Tibetan people are already doing. So what can the international community do? Uh,
1: Well, uh, we Tibetans are just uh, 6 million. The Tibetan community in exile is about 150,000. Uh, however, the Tibetan movement has been able to magnify its wise uh, multiple times uh, due to the international community support. So the international community support is needed and very important. Uh, you can support and help the Tibetan people in many ways by joining Tibet support groups, facing your own state and government officials and politicians to pass uh, legislations uh, on Tibet teach uh, people and your children about Tibet, environment, uh, culture, and Tibetan Buddhism. Uh, Tibet is uh, called the roof of the world. Tibet is also called Third World Third Pole. It is the Asia's water tower which feeds billions of people downstream. Uh, We are able for the support and interventions to protect the basic uh, human rights of Tibetans. Uh, we appeal for your support in urging China to stop the violations of the fundamental human rights of Tibetans and stop interfering in the relig- uh, religious practice of Tibet and include the practice uh, of recognition. This also urge China to immediately resume dialogue with the representative of Hisonis on the basis of middle-way approach uh, towards uh, reaching a peaceful solution for Tibet.
0: Wow, so there's a lot that we can do um, from urging members of Congress um, to pass legislation um, on the Tibet issue, making sure that um, there's pressure on China to continue conversation with his Holiness Dalai lama and and so much more. So thank you so much, Tashi Ji. This has been a yeah. really enlightening conversation. Um, I learned a lot and and I really, um, I'm so proud um, of our Buddhist brothers and sisters and, and how much they have achieved and, and looking forward to continuing to see the re, you know, resistance, the, um, the leadership in Ahimsa and the, you know, the strength of the Tibetan people. So thank you so much, Tashiki.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of That So Hindu. If you enjoyed it, please take a minute and leave us a nice five star review. It's how you can help the show get discovered by more listeners. You can help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to HAF at www.hinduamerican.org/slash/donate.